Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Greetings, ladies and gents, boys and girls, to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. And we are talking about the kingdom of God and the gospel of the kingdom. The explosive, titanic, earth-shaking, mind-blowing, life-altering gospel of the kingdom. And we are going to continue our reflections on every reference to the kingdom in the gospels. This is a Himalayan big project. Amen. And my desire is to be complete in that we'll look at every reference, all 88 references in the Gospels to the kingdom, unique references, distinguishable references, and then from there move on to all the references in the epistles and even in the book of Revelation, so that when this project is finished, the Insurgents podcast will contain a conversation on every reference to the kingdom in the New Testament. This brings us to the next reference, the next mention of the kingdom in Matthew 13. Take it away, Denzel. Absolutely. Good day, saints. We're looking at Matthew 13, verses 36 through 43. I'm going to read this one from the Kingdom New Testament, a contemporary translation by N.T. Wright. The title says, The Parable of the Weeds Explained. Matthew 13, verse 36. Then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house. His disciples came and joined him. Explain to us, they said, the parable of the weeds in the field. The one who sows the good seed, said Jesus, is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. So when the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, that's what it will be like at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will collect together out of his kingdom everything that causes offense and everyone who acts wickedly. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And if you have ears, then hear. Well, I just have a few observations to make about this. And I definitely want to hear your thoughts on it. Love your insights into these passages. Observation one, you know, these parables were riddles to outsiders. So he explained them to his disciples he unraveled them for them observation two jesus creates his kingdom by sowing seeds Mm. and this is a theme that appears in more than one parable he who sows the good seed is the son of man so that's a recurring theme in the ministry of jesus the sowing of seeds 
Observation three, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are kingdom people and non-kingdom people. Four, boundaries are drawn. Hmm. Now, in our culture of extreme tolerance and extreme inclusivity, Jesus and his message do not fit either paradigm. Hmm. Ironically, in my observation, the people who preach tolerance today always draw the line somewhere, and they're very intolerant of certain ideas, practices, and beliefs. And those who preach unconditional inclusivity, inclusiveness, they have boundaries too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they keep people out of their Amen. circles. So really, the tolerant can be very intolerant, and the inclusive can be very exclusive. <laughs> and my point in saying that is that the idea that Jesus included everyone is simply not true. He included those who responded to his message. Mm-hmm. And here we see Satan, God's enemy, man's enemy, the enemy of women, sowing seeds also among the kingdom people. Mm. And they will be separated at the final judgment. So it appears that some have snuck into the kingdom. Now, they're not actually within it, but they're within its realm. They're within its reach. They are around and even in the midst of people of the kingdom. You know, the kingdom is in the world, but it's not from the world. (laughs) Um, Jesus said that himself, my kingdom is not from this world. It's in the earth, but it's not from the earth. But it's certainly for the earth, and it is for the world. And this brings us back to the idea that heaven and earth will be joined together in the future, just as it was in the garden. What are your thoughts? First of all, when I look at wheat and tear, and you said, there are two kinds of people in the world, worldly or Christian. You know, on the uh, Christ is All podcast, there's a message that I would suggest you listen to as you listen also to these podcasts about the sower of the seed and, and seeds and wheat and tares. And on the podcast, it's called The Tale of Two Seeds. And Frankie V here really takes us from Genesis all the way through the Revelation with that word seed. I won't get into it because I'll talk about that and forget about about our text right here. But my suggestion is to listen to that. It'll really bring out some great revelation and insight that will uh, really bless you. And especially as we look at this parable of the weeds or wheat and tares, it caused me to just type in Google What's the difference between wheat and tare plants? I never knew this, but it said that wheat and tares look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. They have the same color. They grow in the same way. They have the same seeds. The only difference is that one is unfruitful. Mm. Tares, and I'm reading this out the dictionary, tares, which are sometimes referred to as bastard wheat. Mm. That's interesting because when you look at the parable, they're growing together. They're indistinguishable, let's say, to the human eye. But this is why I believe that Jesus says, not only let them grow together, mm. and when it comes on that day, you know, he'll do the separating. Yes. Because we probably within ourselves, I know me, mm. if myself as a pastor, 
I would definitely probably hurt, you know, amen, you get the point. Wheat and tares look exactly the same, and that the only difference is that when they reach maturity, one has fruit and the other doesn't have fruit. Mm-hmm. And in previous podcasts, we looked at some of those that would say, Lord, Lord, and he said, I didn't know you. And you would think that the fruit was the works that they said they did. But when we looked at that in the context of Matthew 7, when we looked earlier in the text, we saw Jesus was bringing out false prophets and how they're ravenous wolves and want to eat the sheep. So they're not fruitful. Another previous podcast, we talked about the sow of the seeds and the four types of soil and how they produce. And it was like, again, getting into your level of spiritual seeing in your heart having that understanding, wisdom, and revelation knowledge in your heart of the things of God, that was going to be to the level of fruitfulness, that perception and understanding is connected to fruitfulness, Mm -hmm. so that wheat will be fruitful, but tares will not be fruitful. So part of that practical application for me then is, I think of John 15, and the father is the husbandman, and Jesus is the vine, I'm the branch and to be pruned. And when I think about uh, where I live at, there's a town that's called the blueberry capital of the world. It's called Hamilton, New Jersey. And if you go out there and they're growing grapes and you go out and you see how they have to like put these wooden fences up and pull the vines up. So here's my point. When there's a lot of fruit on a vine, it'll hang down towards the ground and when it rains, it'll get stuck in the mud and stop growing. Hmm. So the vine dresser has to come and lift it up out the mud, clean it off, clip it, and then prop it so that it can receive light from the sun and not be down in the darkness of the mud. So this wheat and tear though, the fact that they look the same, (laughs) they grow the same, and you can't tell which one's which until it's maturity or when it's time for fruit to be bared, and then you have to discern the fruit, whether it's there or not. Yeah, this is interesting in that it's bringing us fast forward to the end of the age. Mm. We have this very clear distinction between the righteous, the sons of the kingdom, right? And they're sons by birth now. (laughs) That incorruptible seed has been planted into their hearts, and they have been born from above. They're sons and daughters of the kingdom. That's language from First Peter. We have a distinction between the righteous, the sons of the kingdom, mm-hmm. and those who cause sin and who do evil, those who practice lawlessness. Mm-hmm. And they are said to be the sons of the wicked one. Mm-hmm. But what's so fascinating is that, as you pointed out, they look the same on the outward appearance. That's the dichotomy. This is the principle of mixture. Mm. It's the same principle that we saw when we looked at the parable of the hidden leaven. It's the same principle that we see in passages like Matthew 22, verse 10. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both good and bad. And the wedding was furnished with guests. So at the wedding feast, there's good and bad, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Mixture. 
It's the same principle that we see in Matthew 25. You have five foolish virgins and five wise Mm. virgins. And the foolish ones end up being shut out of the kingdom, but they're there together waiting for the bridegroom. And so it is the Son of Man. It is Jesus himself who makes the judgment. He sends out his angels and they gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. But that's after he allows them to grow together. Mm. This is an echo of Daniel chapter 7, the Son of Man coming to judge and to sort out. And then when he says that the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the future kingdom of the Father, that's an echo of Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Humans were created to be God reflectors. Each of us has been called and created to reflect, express, and emit the divine glory. And that's what you see here at the end of the age, Mm. the manifestation of the sons of God. And, you know, when you read this passage, it it is frightening because, you know, this language of tares being gathered and burned in the fire, wailing and gnashing of teeth, Mm. there's such a finality to it. But we have to remember, God is not a sadistic monster. Amen. On the one hand, but he's also not a permissive grandparent on the other. His judgments are righteous. His judgments are fair. He knows what he is doing. Yeah. We trust him. But this text is where God is going to set all things right. He's going to remove everything that is offensive. Mm. All of the evil that we see in this present world, in this present evil age, to mm. use the language of Paul of Tarsus, is rooted out. All things are set right. The Matthew 6 prayer, your kingdom come Mm. on earth as it is in heaven, is answered in full in this parable. I guess one of the big points I see here is that the kingdom of God operates today despite the presence of evil, even within the realm of Mm. kingdom people. Evil will be fully dealt with at the end of the age, and it's not our job to do the kind of judging that the Lord, only the Lord, is going to do and is capable of doing because he knows who the tares are and who the wheat are. Would to God that we are part of the wheat. Amen. That the seed that has been sown, meaning us, was sown by the Son of God. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians 4 where Paul says, don't judge anything before the appointed time. Amen. That's a statement along the same lines. So we see this process of sowing and separation and that the present aspect of the kingdom and the future aspect of the kingdom are tied together in this parable. We are saved by grace through faith, but faith reveals itself. Jesus is basically explaining to his disciples that you are going to have people who look like my followers and outward appearance but at the end of the age i'm going to sort it out don't try to sort it out mm-hmm. before the time yeah god is going to bring judgment so that we're not going to have a replay <laughs> of what we see now today 
as a result of what happened in the garden. Thank the Lord for that, right? Amen. That is a Amen. good thing, you know, to protect his own and to make sure that righteousness fills the earth and his glory fills the planet and his image is being revealed like the sun in all of its strength. There has to be that separation because mm-hmm. if you allow tares to continue, it will eventually affect the wheat. So that's my takeaway here. Do not judge before the appointed time that's in the Lord's hands. Amen. I liked everything you said. One thought that came to me when you said the Lord knows you know, who's the wheat, who's the tear. I went to go look for it, but I didn't find it yet. But I believe it's in Timothy where Paul says, in a great house there are many vessels, vessels unto honor and dishonor, and the Lord knows those that are his. And it harkens back again to a previous podcast where at the judgment day, they're saying, Lord, Lord, look at these things we did in your name. And he says, depart from me. Mm. I never knew you. And that eternal life is is knowing him. Again, a, a practical, relevant application is part of the mission, I guess, or the purpose of the Deeper Christian Life Network is to gather corporately to get to know our Lord deeper and more intimately. Mm. This is going to be a Denzelism right here. You can make yourself tear-proof <laughs> you know, if the Lord has has you know grabbed you. Like if the Lord has as you know drawn you to Himself, okay. and and that's happened, then yeah, let's let's go deeper. Let's let's mm. pursue Him. Yes. Let's uh, let Him. You know, Paul's prayer in Galatians four nineteen. They say pray with travailing prayer that Christ be formed in us. Mm. You know, another point that uh, I picked up uh, from listening to a tell two seeds on uh, the Christ is All podcast came out of like 1 John. You did 1 John 3 and 8 and 9. I'm just going to go up to 6. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, 6 is, Everyone who abides in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Little children, let no one lead you astray. He who practices righteousness is righteous, even as he, capital H, is righteous. He who practices sin is of the devil, because the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And here we get to the seed piece. Everyone who has been begotten of God, so there's a seed, right, does not practice sin. Why? Because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he has been begotten of God. And then verse 10, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we're believers, we do sin because John gives provision that we have an advocate with the Father that we confess our sin and we walk in the light as he is in the light. And in a previous podcast, Frank V was talking about as a leader, you know, we might hurt someone and not mean it consciously and intentionally or maliciously, but whether the Holy Spirit brings it to my remembrance or the person comes to me, it's an opportunity for me to confess my sin and humble myself mm-hmm. and be washed you know, of that, sprinkled in the blood so that I can draw near to the mm-hmm. Father and he'll draw near to me. And you know, this piece here though, that tell two seeds, again, that's the third time I said it, but I, I can't emphasize that enough. It's an it's a awesome message and when you listen to the message, 
Frank V takes us from Genesis to Revelation, but what he says at the end to the group that's there is like, this is just the introduction. You guys, are gonna, we're gonna take this further and go deeper, and he gives a great suggestion in the end. You can go into like a Bible search, like Bible Gateway, and put seed or seeds and seed of life, and you'll see texts, scriptures talking about this theme of seeds and sowing the seeds and the enemy, you know, sowing his seed. Well, I think we'll leave it there, and I am excited. I am really excited about our next episode because we're going to look at two parables that are back to back. They're very short, and I will say to you, if you want to prepare, and I've never done this before as far as I know, wherein in an episode at the end, I ask you to prepare for the next one, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think I'm going to do that. So in our next episode of the Insurgents Podcast, we are going to explore Matthew 13, verse 44 and Verse 45, the parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl of great value or Mm. the pearl of great price. So look at those passages in your New Testament and we will see you next time. God bless. Bless y'all. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.